0: This is 105.9 The Region, and you're listening to Discovery, the radio show for podcasters. Your content unfiltered. This is Discovery. Hello, and welcome to Discovery. I'm your host, Cal Steiger. British Columbia is known for its contrasts, sophisticated cities, multiculturalism, unbelievable natural beauty, and breathtaking vistas. By Car is a podcast series that explores some lesser-known areas within B.C., giving listeners a glimpse at regions like Caribou, Peace Country, and Northern B.C. In today's episode of Discovery, we visit three areas learning of their history, culture, and what welcomes visitors today. Welcome to a lesser-known B.C. Welcome to By Car.
1: British Columbia. It borders the mighty Pacific Ocean and features vast mountain ranges, flowing rivers and impressive wildlife. But the true beauty of this immense province often shines when you embark off the beaten path. Among the regions to explore is British Columbia's central interior. Known as Caribou Country, it's situated between the Caribou Mountains and the Fraser River. From rolling hills to snow-capped mountains to raging rivers and sandy desert, The Caribou is a diverse landscape rich in natural elements and primed for adventure. Our journey starts at one of the five dealerships within the Caribou Auto Group and takes us to historical landmarks, awe-inspiring scenery, and some of the most breathtaking places in BC, accessible by car. The story of british columbia and how it came to be has its roots in the caribou located 86.2 kilometers by car on highway 26 from caribou ford and Quesnel, is a place where time stands still barkerville was the center of the great caribou gold rush meaning a surge of immigrants flooded into the caribou in hopes of striking gold it's a story of new beginnings adventure and all too often greed, discrimination, and murder. On the route from Quinnell to Barkerville, we enter the community of Bushy Lake. Well known for its rainbow trout, Bushy Lake is a 320 acre parcel of land that was purchased by William Boucher for just a dollar per acre. There are many roads in this area named after people involved in the formation of Bushy Lake and Walken Road is one of them. Its name honors William Boucher's father, Jean-Baptiste Boucher, who is a voyager born of a Cree mother who worked for the Hudson's Bay Company. He was admired by local First Nations, who gave him the name Wakan, which may mean watchman in Cree, because one of his duties was that of a watchman. At first, the relationship between the newly landed immigrants and the First Nations was one of mutual respect. First Nations people provided canoes and food and acted as guides and translators. As the number of prospectors to the region increased, so did the rush to find gold. Then the First Nations became marginalized and even terrorized on their own land to make room for those seeking riches. Now further up the road is the community of Wingdom. It's about 30 minutes by car east of Quinell, With a population only in the hundreds, it's a sleepy town, but that may soon change as one company looks to continue the history of gold mining 160 years after the first gold rush. If a new gold rush does come back to the Caribou, you can be sure it will be much more advanced than it was in the 1800s. Countless immigrants made the trek from Lillooet to Barkerville, so various communities sprang up along the way. There are still towns named for their distance from Lillooet. That's how 70 Mile House, 100 Mile House, and 150 Mile House got their names. The house is referring to a roadhouse where travelers could get lodging and food. Many made the trip by foot, and it would take weeks to arrive. At the time, Lillouette was known for camels. Yes, camels were the animal of choice when it came to traveling up the canyon with supplies. Considering that camels were used to move goods in other countries, it was thought they'd work just as well in BC. Local historian Richard Wright.
0: It's not just another bizarre story. It's it's like, it tells us how how difficult it was that somebody would import camels from the Gobi Desert to San Francisco to Victoria to get supplies to the gold fields.
1: Unfortunately, soon it was discovered that camels were not in fact well-equipped to navigate the mountainous terrain and deep canyons of the interior. So rather than ship them back to the Gobi Desert in Central Asia, the miners simply let them go. As a result, British Columbia had wild camels roaming the interior until the last one was spotted in 1905. All of the communities along Highway 26 are connected to the gold rush in some way. Cottonwood, which is at the halfway mark from Quinnell to Barkerville, was one of the primary stops along the original Caribou Wagon Road. The wagon road was developed in an effort to make traveling to and from the Caribou gold fields easier. Before it was created, the first version of the Caribou Road was known as the Mule Trail, an extremely hazardous cliffside path that was only wide enough for a single mule to pass. In order to lower supply costs and make transporting gold and workers safer, the construction of a one and a half million dollar highway began in 1861. This highway was revised three times over the next 25 years, serving as the main artery in and out of the gold fields and the communities that followed. The gold rush came to an end around 1867, but the rich deposits of gold found in the Barkerville region were worked by some until the mid-1930s. I love gold! Although gold was famously celebrated in the Austin Powers movie, Goldmember, gold fever actually erupted in 1858 in Canada after the discovery by the governor of Vancouver Island, James Douglas. After the news spread, hundreds of ships filled with eager Americans, Europeans, South Americans, Australians and Chinese traveled north across the Pacific Ocean in search of wealth and the promise of a new life. Gold is so valuable because of its properties. It's the densest of all metals and serves as a great conductor of both heat and electricity. It's also the most malleable of the elements and doesn't tarnish or corrode. Gold was the basis for the world's currency from 1870 until the First World War. It's been used as a medium of exchange because it's so highly valued and in pretty limited supply. The first known gold transaction dates back over 6,000 years. British prospector Billy Barker was the first miner to strike gold in Barkerville, which is how the town got its name and why it came to life seemingly overnight. Barkerville quickly became the largest North American city west of St. Louis and north of San Francisco. Traveling to Barkerville from the coast was not easy. Supplies of food were often exhausted before the trek was finished. Trading occurred regularly with the First Nations people along the way to help make sure that the team had food and supplies. But if it wasn't for the lack of energy and looming starvation, the prospector's horses would understandably slow down from fatigue. When this happened, sometimes the travelers would put them down for their meat to avoid starvation. Surviving the trip was only the beginning. Once you arrived safely, the hard work began. Prospectors needed to dig deep holes in order to have any chance of finding gold. Only one out of every 100 prospectors ever found anything of value. When they weren't out digging for gold, the miners had to survive the elements. Most buildings were built on posts to protect residents from flash floods. Mud streets and pathways were only broken up by plank sidewalks located in the nicer areas of town. Besides the mud and the harsh working conditions, those that came to Barkerville in search of riches also had to deal with competitors driven by greed. It wasn't uncommon for men to threaten each other with their pistols after too many drinks at the saloon. Corruption and crime were abundant during the gold rush, and one notable awful tale involved a woman named Angus McVee, who traveled to Barkerville from Scotland. In her hometown, Angus was a wanted woman, charged with seven murders and multiple assaults. Angus owned a local hotel. She made her money in human trafficking, and anyone that got in her way was dealt with quickly and permanently. Over the course of the next several years, more than 59 bodies were found in the small lakes of the area, all of which were suspected to be victims of Angus. In 1885, Angus was charged with various crimes, including murder, and had been scheduled to go to trial. But before her trial began, Angus died of suicide to avoid being hanged. Treasure hunters are intrigued by the story of Angus McVie because it's said she buried much of her bounty in the nearby fields of Barkerville. Although her treasure was estimated to be between 100,000 and 150,000, only 8,500 has ever been rediscovered. The hotel owned by Angus was torn down in 1892 and moved to the other side of the road. It became a store and a post house, which still stands to this day at 108 Mile Historical Ranch. Immigrants from China played a large role in the gold rush days. Jim Ritchie is a prospector from Cherryville, British Columbia.
0: They were some of the best taught miners there were. I do believe in China, they actually studied on how to mine for gold, their ancestors mined for gold. They knew how the old ancient channels ran through the country from the glacier movement and everything, and that's the ones that they chased.
1: Discrimination toward the Chinese prevented them from prospecting anywhere other than on abandoned sites. Despite this racism and cruel treatment, their community thrived by providing many required services to the 20,000 prospectors who came into Barkerville in the 1860s. Operating grocery stores and restaurants and working as merchants made sense for them. White mine laborers earned $6 per day, while the Chinese earned $3.50 for the same job. The government also collected hiked claimed fees from them. Yet they weren't allowed to vote. They were also prevented from purchasing crown land. If you were a Chinese male and over the age of 14, you were also required to pay an annual head tax of $10. Over the years, many Chinese immigrants lost their lives through accidents, exposure to the elements, disease, murder, and even suicide. In the Quesnel Fork Cemetery, up to 40 Chinese men and a few women are buried there from that tragic time in our history. But in Chinese culture, it's believed that the soul can't rest and is doomed to continue to wander the earth until the bones are returned to their birthplace in China. As a result, local officials were required to dig up the graves, tag the bones with contact information, and have them transported in bags to Victoria, where they would be sent back to Hong Kong. That is, until the cost to do so became too high. One of the first Chinatowns in Canada was actually set up in Barkerville during the Gold Rush. It was also one of the areas that survived the Great Barkerville Fire. The fire broke out on September 16, 1868. The cause was said to be an altercation between a miner and a local performer. The dancer had been ironing her costume in the back of the local saloon for her evening performance when a man snuck up behind her without consent. As she attempted to defend herself, a stovepipe was knocked over and quickly set the building ablaze. Because all structures were made of logs, sod lumbered, or a combination of both, the fire all but wiped out the town. In less than 20 minutes, the entire village of Barkerville was engulfed in flames. When it was over, 116 buildings had been destroyed at an estimated value of $700,000 or $13 million by today's standards. Despite the human toll, the Caribou Gold Rush was very profitable for some. 1863 was considered to be the most profitable year with over $4 million in gold collected from local creeks and rivers and transported out of the Caribou region. Today there's talk of another gold rush forming in both Wingdom and Wells. Bonanza Ledge, an existing gold mine that overlooks the town of Wells, is hoping to dig for gold for the next 16 years. It confirms that this region is still rich in resources and that gold fever is alive and well. Although Barkerville is considered a ghost town today, you can still visit to see the more than 125 historical buildings and costumed actors play out what life was like during the great gold rush of the 1860s. Good
2: day, folks. My name is William Barker, Billy Barker. Most people call me that. And this is Barkerville. the town that they say is named after me, but it's actually named after my mine. The mine is named after me, though. In the early uh, mining season of eighteen sixteen one, I made my way up here to Wilbur.
1: Stuart Kalid is the production manager for Barkerville's historic town park.
3: So if people are coming to Barkerville during the summertime, they're going to walk through our gates and they are going to see the history of the 1860s gold rush all the way up to the 1940s come to life before their very eyes. They have performers who are on the street doing scenes and tours, uh, talking about different aspects of people's lives. And there's live theater shows. Our shops are open. There are horse carriage rides. There are restaurants. There's a bakery. The Chinese food here is excellent and there's a lot of different cultural experiences for everyone of all ages to enjoy.
1: And what about visiting in the winter?
3: If you come here in the winter, things are very different. There's a lot of snow, it gets very cold. So all of our programming, our shops and our restaurants, they shut down during that time. Uh, We take a little break. We start planning for the next year, but people can still come and go through our walk-in gate, explore the town, check out the buildings. There's lots of snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, snowmobiling, our cottages are open for booking through the winter as well. So you can come and stay here and enjoy your winter's getaway in the peace and quiet of the Caribou Mountains. The authenticity is absolutely important to what we do. We want people when they come through those gates to lose themselves in the history. And the best way to do that is to try and create a thick veil so that they actually feel like they've been lost back in time. So that means making sure that our accents are as authentic yet understandable as possible the language that we are using is authentic to the time that we are portraying, and that the topic matters come very much from the time, but what we have found is that there are so many different things through history that are timeless, and we are always attempting to connect to the human condition both in the past and in the present.
1: And as for the summer, what is the one thing that you must see in Barkerville?
3: So if you're coming to Barkerville for the first time, and you only have a couple hours There's so much to see. You want to think about the one thing that you have to see while you are in town, and folks, that is the Theatre Royal Show. The show is an hour-long, family-friendly, music and comedy variety show, and it features all of the townspeople that you are going to see and meet as you make your way up the street. So you've already established a relationship with some of these people, and now you're gonna see them have a lot of fun on stage. So the show is all about creating a raucous time where people are gonna be stomping their feet, their sides are going to be splitting because they're laughing so hard. And in a couple cases, they might even catch themselves wiping a tear away from their eye.
1: Here, you can imagine how the caribou region came to be and all that was won and lost in the process.
0: Up next, Bycar shares with us a couple more snapcasts, which highlight more beautiful and scenic areas BC has to offer.
1: On this adventure by car, we get behind the wheel and embark on an odyssey through Central and Northern British Columbia, home to moose, grizzly and black bears, natural hot springs, ancient totems, legendary fishing, glaciers, the Northern Lights, First Nations culture and fur trade history. On this episode of Detour, we explore some hidden gems off the main road, scenic wonders and adventures we could never experience without taking a detour. On this detour, we travel from Caribou Country to Quinnell. 10 minutes west of the city along Baker Drive, we pull up to a 124-hectare parcel of land known as Pinnacles Provincial Park. Like most provincial parks, there's abundant flora and fauna to see. But here, it's the striking collection of hoodoos that attracts visitors. Hoodoos are pillars of weathered sandstone that jut out of the ground, These hoodoos began their formation 12 million years ago when molten lava flowing over the Earth's surface cooled. The Ice Age followed, and when the ice mass receded, meltwater streams eroded the valley below Pinnacles Park. The hoodoos are formed from the effects of this natural erosion and weathering. Along the trail to the Pinnacles, you'll see pieces of volcanic rock, remnants of ancient volcanic activity in this area. In fact, the nearby Nazco Cone Volcano began erupting just over 300,000 years ago. Vivid bands of color surround each of the hoodoos, which are in constant state of change due to the ongoing forces of erosion. In order to prevent any accelerated erosion, climbing the hoodoos is strictly prohibited. Still, they are a sight to behold. Considering their close proximity to the city of Quesnel, it is a worthy detour. Our next detour takes us a couple of hours south of Quesnel. From the Caribou Auto Group's Williams Lake location, we travel by car 52 minutes towards the community of Horsefly, a small town of a thousand people settled in the foothills of the Caribou Mountains. There we find Moffat Falls. Each year, Moffat Falls appears to grow larger and higher due to the accumulation of water pouring over the layers of loose basalt. This stunning split waterfall is a 70-foot vertical drop. At the bottom lies a stretch of sandy beach. Perhaps even more impressive than the falls themselves are the nearby basalt columns, natural pillars made of hardened lava. Stretching towards the sky, the rock formations look like something straight out of a sci-fi movie. Because of this region's history of volcanic activity, the cooling and contracting of lava over millions of years caused the ground to crack, revealing long geometric columns. On the way to view both the waterfalls and the columns, keep an eye out for what was known as the Chinese oven. Constructed using rocks and stones, this dome-shaped cooker was used during the 18th century. On this adventure by car, we take an odyssey through Central and Northern British Columbia, home to moose, grizzly and black bear, a natural hot springs, ancient totems, legendary fishing, glaciers, the Northern Lights, First Nations culture, and fur trade history. On this episode of Detour, we explore some hidden gems off the main road. Today's detour begins in Williams Lake, Jason Ryle, Executive Director for the Williams Lake and District Chamber of Commerce.
2: When you come to Williams Lake, it's gonna be almost impossible for you to ignore the fact that the lake is the heart of our community. If you wanted to visit Williams Lake and experience it in the various seasons, there's everything to do from downhill skiing at one of our nearby ski hills, which is Mount Timothy, which is about half an hour's drive away from the city of Williams Lake, and then there's another ski hill called Troll Resort, which is about an hour and a half away from Williams Lake. So downhill skiing, cross-country skiing, snowshoeing is also a really popular activity and it's just growing leaps and bounds. Williams Lake and area, especially once you get a little bit away from the city, it's a bit of a mecca for people who enjoy trail activities. In the wintertime, that includes snowmobiles and uh, you know getting out into the Caribou Mountains. Uh, it's a real hotbed for activities. There's also backcountry skiing that people can do. And then on top of that, if you don't mind traveling a little bit further away from Williams Lake, uh, at the east end of Cornell Lake, there is a heli-skiing operation. And then west of Williams Lake, towards Bellacoola, closer to Coola, which is a six-hour drive from Williams Lake, there's heli-skiing operations there, which are world-class facilities.
1: And what about the spring? What kind of activities are available then?
2: Springtime Williams Lake is referred to as a mecca for mountain bikers and people who enjoy trail activities. Summertime is full of activities and festivals and events. Williams Lake plays home to the largest rugby festival in British Columbia during the Stampede or the Canada Day long weekend. It also coincides with our world famous Williams Lake Stampede, which attracts people from you know by the thousands to come from all over North America to come and enjoy the Western culture and the rodeo culture that goes along with that. In the fall, it's a popular time to head west to Bella Coola, especially for people who enjoy fishing, salmon fishing, especially at that. Um, Williams Lake is the inland gateway to the Great Bear rainforest as well. If you wanted to travel to the Great Bear, then you've got to come through Williams Lake. There's lots to see and do pretty much any time of the year, and Williams Lake is happy to host.
1: From Williams Lake, we're back on the road, traveling along Highway 20, also known as the Chilcotin Highway, named after the original stewards of this area, the Chilcotin people, and officially named the Alexander Mackenzie Highway. This is one of the two main east-west routes in the central interior of British Columbia. We take a detour off the highway to stop in Dog Creek.
2: Dog Creek is a little ways away from Williams Lake. It's 85 kilometers away from the city proper of Williams Lake. It's the First Nations Reserve and uh, it's usually referenced more as a small community but also a bit of a crossroads. So people would use the community of Dog Creek as a jumping off point to get into the Chilcotin areas like Gang Ranch or Empire Valley Ranch.
1: Surrounded by a dramatic blend of plateaus, valleys, and fertile fields, this land has space for farming and ranching. To most people, the term farm and ranch are used interchangeably. However, a farm and a ranch are quite a bit different. If you're a fan of the hit show Yellowstone, you'll understand what a ranch is, maybe without as much drama or Kevin Costner. By definition, Dog Creek is an unincorporated ranching settlement located on the Fraser River in the Caribou region of British Columbia and across from Gang Ranch on the west side of the river. The two are connected by an old suspension bridge that's still in use today. Gang Ranch is one of the largest cattle ranches in Canada, just under 30,000 acres of private land and an additional million acres of leased crown land for grazing. This is cowboy country. American brothers Jerome and Thaddeus Harper had been ranching and gold mining in California when they found cattle prices too high. They heard of the gold rush in BC and how thousands of miners were migrating there. The Harper brothers began to drive cattle north to British Columbia in hopes of cashing in on the higher market. They quickly became the largest landowners in BC, owning large portions of ranch land all through the interior. One of their most well-known ranches, the Gang Ranch, started in 1863. After a severe winter in 1887, in an unsuccessful attempt to avoid personal bankruptcy, the Gang Ranch was sold to the Western Canadian Ranching Company. Access to the Gang Ranch is over a single-lane steel suspension bridge that spans the Fraser River and is maintained by the provincial government. The ranch has changed hands several times over the years, once sold to a U.S. billionaire in 2004 for approximately $93 million. That billionaire, Stanley Cronk, is the owner of the L.A. Rams, the NBA's Denver Nuggets, and NHL's Colorado Avalanche. Most recently, Gang Ranch was purchased by the Douglas Lake Cattle Ranch in 2022 for an undisclosed sum.
0: That's all for this episode of Discovery. Thanks so much for listening. If you've missed any previous episodes, you can catch them however you listen to your favorite podcasts. Discovery, the radio show for podcasters, exclusive to 105.9 The Region. Expand your audience and extend your reach. Send us your podcast, info at 1059theregion.com.